0: Hi, this is Nathan, and you are listening to a public church podcast. We would love to connect with you on social media at a public church, or you can visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. As you guys have a seat, could we just praise Jesus for the opportunity to sing about him? Man. And whether you experience this from your couch or whether you're in this room, man, it is an honor for us to be together. If we haven't met yet, my name is Todd and I'm really excited to be here and fresh off a family vacation. And so I actually brought some pictures because our children, Liam and Oliver, are trying to smile. Oliver's the little one that my beautiful wife Whitney's holding. And I know it may be hard to see his face, those pictures are blurry because we took them, not our creative team, so that's on me. But notice he's, he's like kind of making this face, he's going, He's trying his hardest to smile. I love the next picture. You can see it a little bit better. So again, he's just going for it. I love his enthusiasm at life. That may be the best smile we've ever seen from Liam. And then this final picture reveals that in every single photo we take, Whitney is gorgeous. And our boys make a different face. Liam again smiling and Oliver once again just with, ah. So... Family vacation, I should really actually probably call it a family adventure. For those of you guys who don't have kids yet, I want to pass on some advice that was given to us by Whitney's cousin, Jessica Kenworthy. Jessica, if you're watching this, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she said, when you have kids, you need to transition your mindset from a vacation to a family adventure. So on the count of three, I want you just to yell out your idea of vacation. Ready? One, two, three. I heard sleep, peaceful, rest, okay. So throw out all those things and embrace a family adventure. Um, For Whitney and me, our idea of a vacation is a beach with books, and for me, it's like alternating between riding waves and reading a great book and probably staying in the shade and lathering up the sunscreen because I'm really pale. Um, But there's only one time that we took a book to the beach and that was when the kids were sleeping. So the thing is, and somebody's watching them, by the way, not just like, leave them in the condo. So we were prepared for this trip because we had a different expectation, different mindset. So that's just free. Hopefully that helps you to think in terms of a family adventure. And I start today talking about just our everyday life and what happened last week, because that's what this series is about. We're starting a new series called Intersections, and it's simply about the fact that following Jesus is not a Sunday activity, but an every-moment lifestyle. Right in the middle of the grind, Jesus wants to meet us. If you want to see a poignant example of this series, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel or Instagram and watch Embracing the Journey, my conversation with Greg and Patsy Hicks. So for them... They run an event company in a year where the whole event industry got shut down. And so what we talk about is this intersection between Jesus and their business and Jesus and their family. And it's just this beautiful picture of what this series is is about. And I absolutely love the graphic. Mitchell Hartley leads our creative team and he and William Vest partnered up to create, to make this photo, it was taken with a drone and this is downtown Cleveland. Can we honor our creative team for doing awesome work? This is great. And so the series is about us being able to recognize just as these roads are gonna meet and these roads collide, we wanna be able to see the collisions between Jesus and our routines, between Jesus and our spheres of influence, because again, right in the middle of the grind, Jesus wants to meet us there. The series is born out of conversations that our leadership had, Based on some stuff that I had read from Jeff Henderson, he used to lead Gwinnett Church, and now he leads The Four Company. If you love leadership, you need to look up Jeff Henderson. He is brilliant. And one of the things that Jeff said early on in this global pandemic is he said, hey, you need to clarify and double down on your vision. So that's what we tried to do clarify and double down on our vision. The vision was on the wall. For those of you guys who are in the room, for those of you guys who are watching, it's simply this, develop a public church who who invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. So we wanted to double down on that to realize that we are here to be a public church, that we wanna help people know how to follow Jesus both on and off this campus. And that's why I love the lyrics of the songs that we sang this morning. The first song basically said, I'm gonna give my life in worship to you. The second song echoed that, that I love you, Lord. And basically here's my whole life and I wanna worship you with my whole life. And it's really beautiful to sing those words. And I, I think a lot of us probably mean that from the bottom of our soul. But when we step off this campus and try to live it out, it can be really challenging. In fact, as we began to think about our vision, to try to clarify and double down on it, we stepped into a big fat pile of tension. (laughs) So I'm gonna ask a question and maybe this will help you join me in that tension because I don't think we're the only ones in it. Now, if you don't follow Jesus, Okay, you you may not be in this tension, but I bet you've seen it in your friends who claim to follow Jesus. So you're probably gonna know what I'm talking about, maybe even more than some of us who follow Jesus do. So, So I want you to think back to the time of the year when we couldn't physically gather like this. For some of you guys who are watching online, you may be in a city where you can't do this, or you may have some health issues or not be comfortable gathering, like we're gathering physically today. So this may still be your season. So I want all of us to think about when what's happening in this room wasn't possible, and to answer this question. During that time, was or is your relationship with Jesus stronger or weaker? So if you're in a season where you're like, I'm not gathering, is your relationship stronger or weaker? For those of us in the room, when you were in that season, did it strengthen or weaken your relationship with Jesus? There's no point in lying, be honest. It's just between you and yourself. I think for a whole lot of us, it was weaker. I think the reality is as we have conversations with people, we realize that when we couldn't physically do this, it was hard to know how to worship in our everyday lives. And look, this is powerful that that we're able to come and you can watch or we can be in the room together and we can have collective worship. But here's what should also happen. No matter what's going on in the world, we should not only have collective worship, but we should also have collective worship in our individual lives off this campus. Did you catch that? That all of us collectively should be worshiping in our individual lives off this campus. And if we're honest, I think for some of us, we would say, that may not have happened a whole lot in 2020. So as we face this reality as leaders, we realize we have some refining. We need to do a better job of equipping people to recognize and see the intersections between our everyday lives and Jesus so that hopefully it doesn't happen, but if we ever get in a situation where we can't physically do this, that we would be stronger for it. And so to do that, we're gonna, in Romans twelve nine through twenty one for this series, but before we go there today, we want to set the tone with Romans 12, 1 and two. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, Romans 12, 1 and two. Now, here's the thing. If you grew up in church, you may have heard this verse a hundred times. You may have a tattoo of these verses. You may have like heard 15 different talks on these verses. And so I just encourage you, and we're actually gonna pray for this. Let's come to this with freshness. Let's not roll our eyes and go, oh, this is for the new people. This is for the people who don't follow Jesus. This is for the JV. That's arrogance and that's not the heart of Jesus. So let's come saying, Jesus, teach me. Your word is alive and I'm gonna act like it's alive by looking to receive something fresh from you. And if you have never heard these verses, I think you have an advantage on us. So we're just gonna pray that the Holy Spirit would do work. So Holy Spirit, Would you cause us as we read these verses to literally visualize moments and scenes in our lives? And would you see how your word intersects with those moments? Would you change not what's happening in this room, but all the things that happen outside of this room through our time together? We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to read 12, 1 and 2, and then we'll go back through it. Romans 12, one, I appeal to you, therefore brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul, who's the author of this, writes this brilliant piece of literature that is Romans. And here's what he says. He says, I appeal, I urge you. In other words, please pay attention. Please wake up. Please hear what I'm saying. And the first thing he says is, therefore. Here's what he means by that. Taking into account everything I've written in Romans 1 through 11, now we're going to talk about how Romans 1 through 11, which is a lot of theology, a lot of how we view God and a study of God, now we're gonna say, here's how that intersects our everyday lives. Because for the Jews that were part of his original audience, here's what they knew. Faith, theology, and faith must be expressed in our daily living. In Cleveland, Tennessee, if you live in Cleveland, sometimes we miss that. Because following Jesus can be reduced to just this thing we come to on Sundays. So when it got stripped away, we're like, oh, what is following Jesus? It's so much more. And that's what Paul wants to talk to us about. That's why he's saying, I'm begging you, please listen to what I have to say. And then he says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Here's what we need to understand. The cross and the mercies of God cast a long shadow over Romans 12, a shadow that we need not run away from, that we need to stay under. Because the only way we can have this conversation is because of the mercies of God. Romans chapter five, verse eight, starting there, says that while we were anti-God, the word is ungodly, that means while we were against God, while we were least deserving, goes on to say while we were sinners in active rebellion against God, Jesus died for us. That we couldn't earn that, but he died for us, even though we could never deserve it. And so God has been so merciful to us. And because he's been so merciful to us, Paul's saying, consider how he wants you to live in your everyday lives. And the topic of verse one is actually the last two words. The topic is spiritual worship. Some of your translations may say true and proper worship. It may say reasonable service. It could also be translated as an authentic worship. Paul wants us to understand, here's how you worship in your everyday lives. Not just in this room singing songs, but here's what it looks like to actually live out your faith and worship Jesus off this campus. Now to understand that, we need to know what worship is. That worship is our response to God for who he is and what he has done. In other words, because of your mercies, I'm gonna respond in my everyday life. Because you died on the cross, there's a response in my everyday life. So what does it look like to be an authentic worshiper? What does it look like to say, this is my spiritual worship? Says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. The word present means offer. We could also think of it like this, surrender. He says, surrender your bodies. That means every single area of your life, of your heart, of your mind, of your soul, take it all and put it before God as a living sacrifice. And remember the shadow that's cast over this passage of the cross and the mercies of God? Jesus would say to us, hey, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't already done. You know, we may not like the term sacrifice. Oh, worship is a sacrifice? Yeah, it is. And guess who set the tone? Jesus, when he sacrificed his life by dying on the cross. And now he says, I want you every day as you're living to die to yourself. So what in the world could that look like? Here's what that looks like. It means that if we are gonna see what what we're gonna call intersections of worship, that means we need to surrender our moments. So we need to think about the moments of our lives. And if we're gonna worship in our everyday lives, have these intersections of worship where we're going through our everyday life and boom, we are now worshiping Jesus just like we were when we were singing, I love you, Lord. If we're gonna be worshipers off this campus, then that means we must surrender our moments. So here's the big question. Who owns this moment, Jesus or me? Who owns this moment? Jesus or me? So let's talk about some moments in our everyday lives. You know, you don't sleep a lot on family adventures, so I'm gonna take a nap. Not really, some of you are jealous or you may already be asleep um, in your living room watching this, that's okay. But here's the thing. We're first gonna start with the moment that we all face, which is when we wake up. Some of us don't like waking up. Raise your hand if you're a morning person. In the comments, be like morning person. Or don't do anything because you haven't woken up yet, it's fine, Well, no, you're not a morning person. So here's the thing. When we sleep, eventually the alarm goes off and it starts our day. So you guys are gonna get to have some fun. You're gonna be my alarm. So make the most annoying sound you can make because that's what alarms are. All right, so I'm gonna go to sleep. Oh. So on three, if you guys could wake me up. One, two, three. Okay, that was pretty good. You guys are annoying. All right, so what do we do when we first wake up? Slap it, snooze, snooze, snooze. So one more time, I snooze you. Ready, one, two, three. Oh, okay, okay, I'm awake. Now, here's the thing. When I open my eyes and sit up, who owns this moment? Jesus or me? For a lot of us, what's the first thing we do? And we're inviting jealousy and comparison and the first thing we do is we're taking in something on our phones, could there be a better way? And maybe you say, well, I don't really have a morning routine, come on, people. A lack of routine is your routine. A lack of a system is your system. And here's what we have to understand about how we wake up. This moment sets the tone for a whole day. Whoever owns this moment is sending this message that's gonna reverberate throughout our whole day that either I'm gonna do me, I'm gonna own this day, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, or Jesus, I'm gonna surrender this moment to you as an intersection of worship. Do you realize that when we wake up, we can have an intersection of worship by taking our morning routine and saying, Jesus, how do you want me to navigate my mornings? What do you want me to do when I first wake up? Who owns this moment? And then when we get up, there's gonna be a time that we do something that I actually enjoy and not everybody does, where we get our planners out. Yes, I still have a, a planner. And now we've gotta think about our schedule. So here's the question. Who controls your schedule? Your schedule or you? Are you just reacting to everything throughout the day? Oh, oh, I gotta do this, oh, oh, I gotta do this, All oh, this, come on, oh. Or do you control your schedule? I know there's interruptions, but who controls your schedule because in order to surrender the moment called our schedule to Jesus, we must first control it, and then we lay it on the altar before Jesus and say, Jesus, you own this moment. So as I fill this out, what do you want me to do today, Jesus? And when an interruption comes, Jesus, how do you want me to navigate this interruption? Who owns this moment? And then what about this moment? <clears throat> Some of you like this. I brought a toy for my boys, so it makes noises like that. So what about the moment called The Commute, where you're sitting in traffic? And I say sitting in traffic because it seems like everyone has moved to Cleveland, and so you literally sit there in traffic, don't you? And you're like, unbelievable, how are there this many people in Cleveland? Or maybe you're in the line picking up your kids after school. Or maybe you're like I was a few weeks ago where um, we went to Target as a family and just to be cautious, we're not really taking our boys into stores at this point. So Whitney went in and I'm sitting in the car with the boys and who's gonna own that moment? Cause it would've been very easy for me to get up my phone and read on ESPN, which I really enjoy or just to scroll on Instagram. Or I could climb into the back seat and sing the ABC song and play I Spy and love my boys and be a good dad it's easier to sit in the front seat with my phone than to crawl into the back and sit where there's not really a seat in between the two captain seats and talk to them. But the Holy Spirit was like, hey, go be a dad. And so as I surrendered that moment, there was an intersection of worship in the Target parking lot. So who owns the moments that you're behind the wheel? A big indicator of who owns that moment is what's the soundtrack of your car? I had a friend that used to drive 30 minutes and so a lot of mornings he would just listen to scripture on the way to work. Maybe it's listening to a podcast. Maybe it's listening to some worship music. Maybe it's turning off the radio so you can turn up the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's a phone call of somebody that you don't see much that you need to check in on. But again, who's making those decisions? Who owns those decisions? Who owns the moment, Jesus or you? And then what about this? What about our leisure. During our leisure, are you just doing this? Or actually, it's so easy now. You can just set this down, and it just plays the next one, and plays the next one, and plays the next one. And look, there's nothing wrong with shows. I enjoy a good show, and we could talk afterwards about what show you're watching, and what show I'm watching. But here's the thing. We can have leisure time, and in that leisure time, more exhausted than we entered it, because we're not doing anything helpful with it, So really the question for our leisure time is, am I refueling my soul or wasting my soul? There's been so many unexpected things come at us this year. And so our souls must be intentionally refreshed at a level like we've never had to refresh them before in order to navigate the season well. So when we say, I've got some leisure time, Jesus I'm gonna give this moment to you, that leisure time becomes an intersection of worship. So maybe it's putting the remote down and maybe it's getting outside and playing pickleball because it's good for your soul to move and to interact with people and to hang out. Maybe it's putting down the remote and something that I absolutely love to do is read some books and these are some books that I've read recently and I'm gonna be, with this one I'm still working through again. Who owns our leisure time? Jesus or me? Who owns the moment? And then, you know what happens at the end of the day? At the end of the day, we end up right where we started it. Usually, with the same thing in our hands, once again, our phones. And let's just face facts. Night's hard, isn't it? For a lot of you, that's when your anxiety is worse. In the darkness, when everybody else is asleep and you can't sleep, when so it's really difficult. And I'm not saying at all that we can fix that with a couple things. It takes a multifaceted approach to be able to attack and combat the anxiety that a lot of us deal with. But are we helping or hurting ourselves by our bedtime routine? You know, think about growing up. If you are raised by amazing foster parents or grandparents, your parents or whoever raised you, Think about the fact that they probably, like 99% certain, they taught you a bedtime routine and they probably made you go through that bedtime routine. Why did they do that? Because our bodies need to know it's nighttime and I'm winding down so we can be prepared to sleep. We can't just be going, 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 and then sleep. We're just not wired that way. That's not how God made us. But yet somehow we become adults, think we're autonomous, we're not. We think we're autonomous and we throw out all those years of training and have no routine. And then guess what? Whatever I do at night affects then my morning routine. It's all connected. So who owns the moments before you lay your head on your pillow or even as we lay our heads on our pillow? Is it an intersection of worship where we say, Jesus, what do you want me to do that hour before bedtime? Or do we own it? We can worship in the everyday moments of our lives, but we have to ask, who owns the moment? And I love verse one, but we're gonna end with verse two because verse two tells us how to do verse one. Verse two tells us how that we can live in such a way that we recognize these intersections of worship and surrender the moment. Verse two says this to read it again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We'll stop there. As a complete nerd and a guy who loves words, I love it when the Bible translators like rhyme things. I get all geeky. I'm like, this is so cool. Transformed and conformed at rhymes. I'm just weird. Okay, that's fine. I recognize this about myself. But here's the point that Paul's wanting to make here. Someone or something is shaping us and we have the power to decide who or what that is. Someone or something is shaping how we handle the everyday moments of our lives and we have the ability to decide who that is. So he gives two alternatives. We can be conformed, shaped to the pattern of this world, or we can be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And when it says mind, it's not just talking about our intellect, it's talking about how we are emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. It's saying a transformation that involves all of us and that is inside out. Now the thing that Paul leaves out is he doesn't say what transforms us. And so if we're just reading this in isolation, we can be like, well, well, how do we get transformed? That's why we have to understand the therefore in verse one. That's why Paul put it in saying, therefore, because of everything I wrote in Romans one through 11, because chapters six through eight tell us who's doing the transforming. We are transformed to the pattern of Jesus by the spirit of Jesus. Read Romans chapter eight. We are transformed to the pattern of Jesus by the Spirit of Jesus. And the primary tool that the Spirit uses is the Word of God. Jesus Himself said it. When He was talking about the Holy Spirit coming, He said, I'm gonna send my Spirit. And here's what He's gonna do. He's gonna guide you into all truth. He's gonna remind you of the things that, that I said. So for us, we didn't verbally hear Jesus say it, but we can read what he said. And the Holy Spirit will use our time in the word. And then as we're navigating the moments and the intersections of our lives, he's gonna guide us back into truth. He's gonna remind us of what we've read in the word. So there's one more intersection of worship that must be part of our everyday lives if we're actually gonna be worshipers off this campus. And it's this, time in the word. This is how I like to do it. Cup of coffee, my Bible, and a journal so I can write. If we're not having this intersection of worship where we're spending time in the Word, then we are actually preventing the Spirit from transforming us to the pattern of Christ. We're working against the Spirit of God in our lives. And the goal, I love how clear Paul is. The goal at the end of verse two is that as we spend time in the Word and then we go out and we walk through the world (laughs) and we have this moment and we surrender that moment, here's the goal, that then the spirit gives us the ability to test and discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And this isn't saying that we could sit in the 1030 gathering and discern the will of God and here's what God wants me to do for my life. No, here's what it's talking about, that in the morning when I wake up, I can discern the will of God in this moment and I can know how he wants me to worship, that when I'm with my planner and working on my schedule, that when I'm sitting in traffic, that when I have leisure time, that when I'm laying down again in bed at night, that I know what it means to worship in that moment because the spirit of Christ is transforming me to the pattern of Christ. This is what Paul is talking about. So Jesus followers, (laughs) how's our worship going off campus? It really comes down to this. Who owns the moment, Jesus or us? So I just wanna give us a prayer to pray, a prayer to start this series. I wanna invite us just to try to pray this every day this week. And if you don't follow Jesus, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer too. Maybe it's the first prayer you've ever prayed but it's just a way for you to say, I'm open to what you might want to do, Jesus, as I try to figure out if I wanna follow you. So the prayer is gonna be on the screen. And here's the prayer, I encourage you to write it down. Jesus, strengthen me to surrender the moment and lean into intersections of worship. That as we spend time in the word, <laughs> that we would incorporate this prayer. Jesus, strengthen me to surrender the moment and lead into intersections of worship. (laughs) That's the invitation for us. And if you don't follow Jesus, as the band's coming up, they're actually gonna sing one more song in just a moment that reminds us of that shadow that casts over the whole passage, the shadow of the cross and the mercies of God, because this song just declares who Jesus is. And it reminds us of all he has done And so during this song or before this song, if you don't follow Jesus and you wanna follow him, I just wanna encourage you. We're gonna have someone from our prayer team out in the lobby, out these double doors. Go talk to them. If you're watching, our team would love to talk to you. You can text 423-665-9317. And we love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. And... If you follow Jesus or not, and you have any questions about how to get in the word, go to our prayer team, text that number, because we must have an intersection of worship that involves the word. So you know the other thing, transform my beach vacation, (laughs) excuse me, my family adventure that made it so enjoyable and so good despite the chaos at times and (laughs) the lack of sleep at other times. It's what we're talking about today. Recognizing that every day on vacation, just like in my normal routine, that I have opportunities to surrender that moment. That it's not about what does Todd want right now? Jesus, what do you want? And those intersections of worship on my vacation, that's what made it so special. Those are the memories that I cling to with my family. And the Holy Spirit led me to those. But It really comes down to who owns the moment. So here's how we're gonna end today. We're gonna ask the word to transform us. We're gonna read Romans 12, one and two together, even in your living room. Why don't you read this out loud? And we're gonna read it in the message paraphrase. I think the message paraphrase captures the essence of exactly what Paul is writing here. So we're gonna read this and then I'm gonna walk off and we're gonna have an opportunity to worship through song. But I hope this scripture sets the tone for how we have intersections of worship in our everyday lives. So would you stand with me as we read this? Let's read. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. May your word transform us, Jesus.